Hi, thanks so much for checking out our podcast. Today's episode contains some super inspirational stuff, but it does contain some strong language that we don't censor. I wasn't even conscious enough or or aware enough to know that something had to change. I just literally knew that nothing would ever be the same again, ever. I'm Amanda Austin. And I'm Kristen Dobbs. And you're listening to The Struggle is Real, the podcast where we chat with the people who inspire us the most. Real people in the middle of a wellness journey. Oh, hey. Hey. How are you? (laughs) All right. Welcome back for another episode of the podcast this week. Uh, Today we chat with Carrie and we really enjoyed getting to know her and hearing her story and listening to her journey. It's a pretty inspirational one. Yeah, this is for you if you've ever lost anyone ever. Um, <laughs> this is a story of of loss, but also of... Of hope. Of hope and yeah. finding yourself again and all of those yeah. amazing things. So thank you for checking out this episode. We have been busy recording new interviews that are exciting and fun. Um, and we've also been working on another project that we are so, so excited to share with you. Um, we are going to be doing an amazing online fundraiser for the Nunavut Helpline. And you'll completely understand why in next <laughs> week's episode. But in the meantime, you can check us out on social media where we'll be posting amazing things and details about this fundraiser. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We've got lots of awesome people lined up to contribute and it's online. So wherever you are in the world, you can join us and you can help support this amazing cause. Mm -hmm. It's called Self-Care for a Cause. So we're going to be doing a bunch of really amazing self-care things. Uh, We have a lot of amazing presenters lined up. So please check in with us on social media. Please listen to this episode. Listen to next week's episode so that you can be in the loop. Um, And we are... Yeah, just so blessed to be able to, yeah, to be able to put this together and to support this cause. So we'll include links to the fundraiser information in the show notes as well. So you can check that out and snag your ticket. All right. And we just want to say a quick thank you to everyone that has taken the time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You're all amazing. You're amazing. It means so much to us and it really helps us to get this podcast out to even more people. So thank you so much for doing that. Thanks for helping us boost the algorithm. Right? And hey, if you haven't, totally fine. We get it. We're all busy. Uh, If you have like 30 seconds to leave us a review after you finish listening to this episode, we would be so grateful. Yeah. So thanks in advance. You'll be on Santa's good list. (laughs) (laughs) No coal for you. (laughs) We should probably just get started. (laughs) Let's dive in. Okay. You can start us off today. Oh, oh, all right. Switch it up. All right. So today we are chatting with Carrie and we are so excited. Very excited. Very excited to dive right into your story, to learn a bit more and care about your journey. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So we're going to just jump right in because that's what we like to do. But did you have a definitive moment when you knew that things had to change, when you knew your wellness journey was starting? I did. I did have, I had a couple of them, but I think what really triggered my, that, that awareness was really like, uh, we're just going to jump right in uh, is when my fiance passed away. Um, He passed away unexpectedly. 
and I had found him. I woke up, he had um, gotten out of bed. In the morning, I felt the bed move. He was a very tall, big man. And I remember opening my eyes and just watching him walk out of the bedroom and be like, where is he going? It's six o'clock in the morning, it's a Sunday morning. And two, I fell back to sleep and two hours later, he hadn't come back to bed. And so I got up feeling very uneasy, feeling like something wasn't right. Um, you know, I wandered downstairs. I made myself a quick cup of coffee because I could hear the TV in the family room. I just figured he must not have been able to sleep. He went to watch TV. And when I walked in, I found him um, unresponsive on the couch. Um, and that, that was the start of it. The days that unfolded after that, I wasn't even conscious enough or, or aware enough to know that something had to change. I just literally knew that nothing would ever be the same again, ever. From there, a lot of things began to unfold, but I, I went into a very, very dark place, really dark place that I knew that if I didn't do something, I was going to continue to get sicker and more depressed and that my kids were going to get sicker and more depressed. And so that it's really that that's the catalyst that started it. But I didn't come to that awareness for probably about, you know, two or three months later that things that I had to just completely change everything as terrible as it was. And it really was. And it's and it's interesting because it's we're coming up on seven years now. Oh, hey. So Carrie tells us this, and then she has to go and let her dog outside. So she disappears for a second, and Amanda and I are just left in awe. In awe because her story is incredibly sad, and also in awe because she tells it in this beautiful way that just radiates strength, and it's beautiful. And so when she comes back... We ask her how she dealt with the passing of her fiance. Before it was, there was people I didn't even tell that my fiance had died. Like I stopped going to get my hair cut. I had super short hair. I have very long hair now, but I had super short hair and I couldn't even bear to think about telling my hairdresser that he had died. So I've never seen her again. I just have never seen her. I did just stop going because I couldn't handle it. There were times that I would meet people and I start I started a podcast back in 2015 from a gentleman that I had met and we knew it took about 3 months and he was like I he he was so surprised after 3 months that I finally told him about it because he thought he knew like everything about me we were here we were doing a podcast together and we were co-hosting it because it was just so hard for me to talk about it was so hard now it feels just like a natural part of my story where it more of has that shock value for other people because it was, it was a very, it was the hardest moment of my entire life at, to this point. And I do hope it will be the hardest of my entire life, even moving forward. But it was, um, it was the time when the first time ever in my life and only time in my life when I actually could have ended my life. And I used to think before, like these people that you see that commit suicide or are so depressed or, or hate their life. I used to think like, how could they, like, how could it get that bad? And it was the time in my life when I was like, oh, I get this. I see this. I can understand this. Now I, I get how, how people get that, that low to that point. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a very hard time. Wow. 
it's really interesting to me that you talk about not wanting to talk about it because so often when we go through traumas or tragedies um that's the first thing people want to do with you is yeah to talk about it right they want you to tell them what happened they want you to empty out your feelings and I think it's important to normalize that you people might not be in a place where they want to even yeah and there was several reasons and 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 I think everyone's different but for me for one I wanted to pretend like it didn't happen so I wanted to like right away the one person she was such a great friend because I come back from um his funeral, he had actually had had two funerals, one in the town where we live and one in his hometown. So I had to, we had to do two services. So when I came home, I was so tired of everything. And this, this flash of time, this week's worth of time that didn't feel like my life, that I wanted it to just be gone. I wanted to ignore it, pretend that it didn't happen. So I had this one friend who was like, come to my house, bring your kids, come to my house. And we didn't talk about it at all. We just literally talked as if it didn't happen. And some people might say, oh, so you're just ignoring it, but I needed to, I couldn't. And, and she was the one person who actually treated me like I was normal, like I was fine. So many people treated me like I had a, this terrible disease that they might catch. And, and, and it's understandable, like absolutely, because you don't know, some people don't know how to react. They don't know how to, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to ask. So for one, I just wanted to, I wanted it not to be real. And I kept hoping that if I didn't acknowledge it any more than I already had in any more than, you know, like he wasn't there every moment of the day, but if I just ignored it, that maybe I would wake up one morning and it wouldn't be real. Mm. Or maybe he would just walk through the door one day. The other reason is, is that I just felt like nobody understood what I was going through. I felt like, and it was weird because there's all these groups out there for people who lose a child or people who, you know, you, there's a whole demographic of people who lose their parents as they get older and especially a spouse, but we weren't legally married. So I had just lost a boyfriend or a fiance. So I felt like I didn't fit. I felt like I didn't fit in any of those categories. And in it, and it really was like, as terrible as this sounds, there are some people that would be like, but you weren't married. I'm like, I, I get that. And, and I, and I have so much respect for that, but I felt like I didn't fit. And I also felt like no one could possibly understand what I felt like. Mm. Um, and I didn't have many friends, any friends at the time, I feel like that had lost a spouse that had lost, you know, a partner, somebody that close that had even lost a friend. And so, so many people, it, I just felt like, they wouldn't get it anyway. And why would I want to burden them with what I was feeling? Because you could see how uncomfortable it was to the point that even there were times that my kids were like, you know, I, I don't want to tell them because I don't want to make other people upset. I don't want to make other people, you know, sad about it. So there was a lot of times I did not talk about it at all. Now, if you asked me about it, I would talk about it, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to, I didn't go around talking about it at all I there was so many times I pretended like it didn't happen yeah and I think that's completely understandable (laughs) yeah yeah. Yeah, as well 
as well. Um, And I think exactly what you're echoing, um, feeling like nobody else would understand it. I think that's so many people's position when they go through something that's sort of outside of the the box, I guess. And they have this feeling. um, And that's why we've wanted to make this podcast Mm -hmm. is because there are so many people that are alone in their feelings and they need to know that they're not. What was... What helped you to start talk? Because you've said it now; it's part of your story. What helped you to start kind of talking about it? So the first thing was, um, like my friends. Uh, the I I actually lost a lot of friends through this because of me, because of me, because I didn't want to open up and I didn't want to talk and I felt like nobody understood me. I felt like I was a completely different person. Like I would, you know, there's there's something that I say often. It, it that morning was literally like the universe took everything I ever knew, ripped it away from me and was like, here, start over. And that's really what it felt like. So I lost a lot of friends. I had some friends who were very, very close, still my friends to this day at a very small group. And they were really great. But what really made me start opening up and connecting was my children. Because about, I guess it was like a month and a half to two months after Mike passed, my son had a panic attack, ended up in the hospital and started to have like a breakdown because he had, it was interesting when I told him about, um, everybody has different reactions as to how they handle um, a death. And at the time, my son was 11, a 10 going on 11 when Mike passed. And when I told him, I had to go see them. I had to drive to where they were to go see them, to tell them. And they, um, he literally, after I said that Mike had passed, he looked at me, he stood up and he said, can I go play video games now? And I said, yes, of course you can. Yes. And he refused, just like I was, refused to acknowledge that had, had even happened. And him and Mike were incredibly close to the point where Mike was his soccer coach since he was four years old. Like they did everything together. Mike taught him how to tie a shoe, how to dive, how to ride a bike, like all that stuff. Yeah. So all it all about a month and a half later, it hit, hit him. And I realized that if I didn't start doing stuff to move forward and to help myself and to help them, he was going to end up in a very bad place. So I actually sought out a group and I don't even remember, I feel so bad. I don't even remember where I found this group, whether I just Google searched it or what, but I found this a wonderful group called Morning Glories, Morning Glories. It has since dissolved, but, um, and it was a place for, for grieving for, for widows is really what it was, but it was very much, the description of the book was very much like they didn't care if you were married. And I was like, you know what? I honestly don't care. I just need something. And so I went. And this woman that ran the group, her name is Karen. And she has been, she literally was, and and she wouldn't to this day, if you asked her, she'd be like, I didn't really do much. But just having that space and having that group and seeing other people go through it. And there were other women in the group who they weren't legally married either. So it felt like I actually fit in. And it really did feel like for the first time, these people got me, they understood. And it allowed me to begin to really start to heal, to really start to say, okay, these people have all made it, you know, like it was only like maybe 
two months out of Mike's passing and I felt like it had been an eternity. Like I felt like it had been so long since I had like seen him or since I had had a conversation with him. And the realization of some of these women were like eight years out. Some of these women were, you know, six years out and realizing the length of time, like it didn't hit me till I went to that group, the, the finality of someone dying, like that finite aspect of it, that it's forever. It's forever. And, and it's interesting because I just spoke to my, um, my sister-in-law lost her mother about a month ago. And I had reached out to her to, they'd gone down there, but I'd come home and reached out to her and been like, how are you? And she's like, it's so hard to grasp psychologically, mentally, that she's not coming back, that it's forever. And it's so true. When you lose somebody, it's very hard to grasp that it's forever and what forever truly means. And I had the rest of my life that I had to get through. And I literally was just getting through hour to hour to that point that I knew that I had to do something different. Like I couldn't keep doing it this way, the way that I was doing it. Just need a second for that. (laughs) That's amazing that you were able to find a community that was supportive and that you, where you felt like you, you truly belonged and were accepted in, in that group. Yeah. And it was, and it was super nice. But the funny part is, is that it was literally just the tip of the iceberg for me. And I think that's why um, this woman, Karen always says, I didn't do much for you because like a month after I joined the group, it was dissolved. And I remember being like, you're kidding. Like, I just, I just decided that I was going to heal. Like, and now we, we can't come here. And, and, and so I had to find a different way. And I know it was meant to be that way. I wasn't meant to stay in that group to heal. I was just meant to see that it was super important that I did and that it was possible, but I knew I was meant to heal in my own way. So where did you go on your healing journey from there? What, what are some of the things you leaned into? So when Mike first died, I really felt like we were being punished. Like I felt like the universe like was punishing us for things that we did or things that we didn't do or how we lived our lives. It's not that we lived our lives terrible. Like we were great, but the two days before he died, we were driving to see his family and we were putting an offer in on a house because we were all moving in together with, with all of our children. And, and up to that point, we had kept two separate houses, really. Um, we had maintained two different homes. And so we were combining them. And on the way up, I was like, I wish one of us like believed in God and prayed. And he was like, I know. He's like, because I really want this house. Like this needs to go through. And we were just kind of like, not joking about it, but just kind of like, we both stated the fact that like, we didn't know that we really even believed in God and neither of us prayed. We weren't religious. We didn't go to church. And he died two days later. And I literally was like, oh my God. Like, yeah. our, it, it was just like, it because it was so, it was so right in our faces. Um, and so- I really felt like I was being punished. I felt like the universe was just out to get me. And this was like, this was the topping of the cake uh, for me. Like this was the cherry on top of the Sunday, whatever you want to call it. Um, there had just been so many things in my life leading up to this point that I just felt like I couldn't catch a break. I got cancer when I was 26, got pregnant when I was 19, didn't plan on that, had an amazing little girl. You know, I ended up leaving college uh, ended up in a marriage that was not 
a good place to be in. Got divorced when I was 29. I got a terrible accident um, that several people were like, you shouldn't have walked away from when I was, you know, 30. And then here we go. Here's this. And I was like, are you kidding? Like what else? So I was in a really bad place, like really dark. Like how many more of these things can I handle? And then on top of that, son ended up with um, an autoimmune disease that was attacking his eyes. So he was going blind. So there was just so many things on top of that. And so I really had lost faith in like anything that I might've thought existed. God, life in general. Um, I felt like everything was out to get me. And I felt like the universe was just taking things away from me, just taking anytime I had something, they would just take it away. And so I was forced to change my beliefs. I was forced to like reevaluate my faith. Oh, hey. So we asked Carrie, what had changed for her? What had she kind of used to reframe her faith and her belief in the world? And she talked to us about how a friend of hers had suggested that she go to a medium. So I forgot that my friend had lost her father. So she went to see a channel and she said, you need to go speak to this angel channel is who it was at the time. And so I ended up making, I couldn't get in with that lady, but I ended up making an appointment with a shamanic healer. And it ended up being, and it was so funny. This was the state I was in. She, I said to her, I can't do Tuesdays or Thursdays, only Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. She's like, well, the only time I have is April 8th on a Tuesday. And I was like, no. And I kept saying no to her, even though she kept telling me the date. And I was like, no. And finally I was like, fine, I'll just do it. Well, April 8th was Mike's birthday. So I went and saw her, which started this domino effect of me working with mediums, uh, going to see psychics and not a lot because she confirmed so many things for me. She confirmed that he was still there very much supporting me. She proved to me that he wasn't just gone. And I needed that. I needed to know that he didn't just like poof, one day magically disappear. And he was never going to be here. Like, yes, he wasn't here in the physical world. But she proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he still existed based on the things that she told me. And the weird thing is, is before that, I kept feeling and seeing him. Like, I remember sitting on the couch in the exact spot that I found him. And just all of a sudden, like his image flashing in front of me and feeling like feeling this whoosh of energy. And so it really helped me to start uncovering what I had known my whole life. As a child, I used to see things. And I used to have images and I used to hear things and I would know things, but I never paid attention to it. I never gave any second thought to it. I thought everybody could do it. So what this psychic said to me is she's like, you have to, you have to stop blocking who you really are. You have to get into the fact that you are a psychic. Yes. And I was really resistant to it because it was like, she had just told me about Mike and all this stuff. But deep down, I knew that I had been seeing him. I knew that I had, he was there. I could feel him following me around during the day. And she literally confirmed all of that for me. So I went on to see two other psychics who again did the same thing. They said, you're a psychic and he is there and you have to do this. And that's really the start of my healing journey was me accepting and acknowledging who I am and what I can do in what his relationship and his death meant to me and my journey forward. Okay, so Mike passes away. You discover that you have this gift. How does it look carrying forward? 
what was interesting and and I I held so when I when I first discovered that I of what I can do and and really who I am because it really does define so much of who I am like the psychic aspect of me is a huge part of my life um it wasn't it if I'm honest and it, it, it took me a little bit of time to actually accept this I knew before he died that I saw things, that I heard things, but I ignored it because it was so weird. And it was very hard for me to start because I I had to do so much forgiveness work because I saw my death for about two years before he died. And every single time I saw it, it was like, why am I thinking about this? Or why do I keep seeing this? Like, this is crazy. No, no. And I just kept saying, absolutely not. Like he's healthy. He's young. There's no way he's going to die. Absolutely not. And I just kept pushing it away. But deep down inside, there was this feeling like, what if this is true? What if this is really going to happen? Because from an early age, every single thing that's ever happened to me, I've seen big things I've seen. Like when I was little, I knew I used to, I would be standing someplace or doing something. This is how it always works is that all of a sudden um, I would be like in a different place and this image would just come over me and I would be looking at a different part of my life. And when I was super little, like I wanna say maybe nine years old, I saw myself with cancer to the exact type of cancer that I had. So when I was diagnosed with it, it literally was like, this is weird. Um, Saw my parents getting divorced and my parents were one of those parents that like never fought. So when they got divorced, people were like, whoa, what the heck happened? Nobody ever saw it coming. Um, I used to lay in bed at night and cry and say, I don't want to have to have a baby. I don't want to because I knew I was going to get pregnant at a very young age. And I did. So when I started seeing these things about Mike, I started to get, I started to panic and be like, no, I can't think about them. I can't see them. No. And I would just keep pushing them away. But I would be like in the shower you know, washing my hair because water is very, um, water is a conductor of energy. So you channel a lot better around water. So because I would resist it, it happens a lot. It would happen a lot if I was in the shower or right before I went to bed at night or woke up in the morning or when I was driving, because it's, you're in that state of like just being open to receive. And I would be in the shower and I would all of a sudden just be watching an image of like Mike in a hospital bed or Mike got in a car accident or all, and they were all different. They were all different. And so every time I'd be like, why am I thinking about this and push it away? But it made me so nervous. So when he passed, I had this enormous guilt that I should have stopped it. I could have done something. It was, it was terrible for years. I was so angry at myself. And that was part of why I got so upset was because I felt like it was my fault. Like, I should have seen this. And so I knew I was, I had something, I had some kind of gift, but the real driving force was that I needed to be able to communicate with Mike. I needed to be able to see him. I needed to be able to talk to him. And because I was now basically given permission that I could, I was like, I'm figuring this out no matter what. Like I will figure this out. This is something I have to do. And I started to lean into as much understanding as much stuff as I could. And and mine was really selfish driven in the sense that at least to start in the sense that I needed to know why he died. I needed to know if I could have saved him. 
I needed to know why I was shown beforehand. I needed, and it was really to like, to help me to like not hate myself as much, I guess, is really the thing. It is, and it is, I guess, as selfish as that sounds, but I also was able to learn so many things about life and change my views and my faith and my focus because I began to explore all this stuff that I was, that was being presented to me. Oh, hey. So you know that part of the episode where we kind of randomly jump to a completely different topic and it feels like a bit of an adventure? Well, this is this part of the episode right now. The, the week after my fiance passed, there was a tragedy inside one of our businesses. We, we owned multiple companies and I had to go back to work within literally like a week after he died. It was that Monday when I was at my friend's house. I got a phone call from my boss, the owner of the corporation. And he was like, you must come back to work tomorrow. And so I wasn't just like trying to survive my life that literally was just snow globed up, but I helping my kids, all three of them running this big corporation, taking care of everything that had happened in there, life, bills, everything, dogs, you know, everything. I didn't do anything for myself until he died in February till August of that year. I went away for a weekend and I felt so guilty because, and I needed it to, like, I was on the verge of totally breaking down, losing everything that I had if I didn't go away and just kind of come back to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that we have to, I think that we have to normalize doing whatever you need to, to survive. Yes. Because you can, like you said, you can get to those places where it's dark and you can, you're like, I don't know if I can be here. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever Mm -hmm. you need to pull yourself out of that, I think is completely valid. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, don't go out and hurt other people on purpose. (laughs) But there are some restrictions, but yeah, yeah. 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 Like legalities, but all of those self-care things. Yeah. Yeah. I can remember I spent hours, hours walking around Target with a cup of coffee in my hand and just like not even seeing anybody, but it was a place that I could go to, like, let's say if my kids were at school and I wasn't at work or um, eventually, you know, if they were at friends' houses and I didn't want to go home alone, I would just walk around Target and because it allowed me to just zone out and, you know, absorb myself in what I was looking at instead of feeling into my emotions that I was feeling or thinking about what my life was like. I could just zone out and pretend that everything was normal and I was just shopping um, and drinking a coffee. That's it. So next we asked Carrie how she moved past this, how her life changed and how she was able to move forward. So I did a ton of um, what they call channeling. So I did a lot of connecting to spirit meaning like connecting to Mike, um, connecting to other guides, connecting to just like energy exists all around us and, and information exists all around us with inside wisdom of, you know, what's truth and what's not truth and, you know, what is and understanding yourself. And I spent years doing that years. Oh, Hey, so we were chatting with Carrie about how she'd lost her fiance. She'd lost her job. And she felt a little directionless, but she decided 
that she was just going to figure it out and take the time to figure out what she needed, what she wanted, and how her life was going to look moving forward. I went to my mom's house and and she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not, I was offered so many jobs. I turned every single one of them down. I stayed home. I spent hours during the day. I made it like my full-time job that I was going to understand myself. I was going to master my psychic abilities. I was going to understand the universe on a completely different level. And then I was going to help other people to build businesses and it, with my skills. And I was going to create something for myself. Like I had spent years running somebody's business and I put so much energy into it to have it just all taken away. I was like, that's never going to happen again. And I spent hours each day, I put the kids, I'd bring the kids to school and I would sit in my sacred area in my house. I would journal, I would channel, I would connect, I would read, I would meditate. I would think about things. Like I literally could sit there for hours and just think. And I spent so much time just on me. I got comfortable being alone. I got comfortable with my own thoughts, with listening to you know, the voice inside my head. I had to do all of the things that we completely avoid like all day long, just to be able to start to heal, to move through them, to understand them, to experience them instead of avoiding them. Cause I had been avoiding them. I really embraced the fact that life sucked. I was, I felt like I was dealt an unfair hand, but now I had to figure out how I was going to move forward because what was happening wasn't working. And I did. And I spent hours a day doing that until I started to be, get that urge to start sharing some of this stuff with other people, sharing my experiences. Um, and until like my money started running out and I was like, okay, now I have to build my business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely wow. love that you talk about treating that like a full-time job, basically. I think yeah. that in specifically in wellness as well. I think that a lot of the times people are like, I'm going to have a spiritual business and it's just going to come and it's just going to magically appear. And if it's not the, like, if it's the right thing, it won't feel like I won't have to do the work. It'll just appear. And if it's not the right thing, then it'll just fall away. And it's like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's nothing like that. It's, yeah. nothing, <laughs> it's nothing like that. And, no. and people, it, this is a, a huge thing with businesses because this is what I do. I, I use my psychic abilities and my knowledge and stuff to help people to run businesses. And there's this belief in the wellness and the spiritual community that the universe will just give it to you. Yeah. They'll give you the information. I can't even tell you how long my guides, because very quickly, because I, I already was psychic and I was already hearing things like I would work in corporate and somebody would come in and ask me a question about something. I had no idea. And I would just have the answer and they would, I give them the answer. They'd walk out. And then I would be like, Oh my God, did, I don't even know how I knew that. I don't even know what I said to them and I hope it works, but here we go. So it happened very quickly, but I had to master what I knew how to do. Like you look at professional uh, athletes, they practice hours a day, hour, that's all they do. And so if I was going to do this, I had to practice hours a day, but also they, what we fail to understand is that the universe gives us the tools. We must take action. Yes. I was like, 
I'm going to be a consultant for businesses because this is what I do. I build and, and run businesses. I'm good at this. And my guides were like, no, you must be a psychic in, in that industry. And I was like, you're crazy. Like, no. <laughs> and, and I did this forever. And they would be like, no, you must. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, bring me someone who says, oh, Carrie, are you psychic? And then I will. So I was like telling, I was giving the universe conditions. They were telling me exactly what to do. But I was like, that's so uncomfortable. Like, you want me to go talk to these business guys, investors, real, real estate agents that I used to work with in corporate all the time. And now you want me to just be like, oh, hey, guys, I'm psychic. You're insane. I was like, absolutely not. You're crazy. And I didn't. And I made no money in my business. None. None. I made like maybe 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there, $1,000 here. I was, my business was scraping by for the longest time on like $1,000 or $2,000. And this was terrible. This didn't even cover like, my mortgage payment, you know, like it, it was crazy. And I was starting to freak out. And every time I asked, cause I have a whole slew of people who will give me information guides. They would be like, you must say you're psychic every time. So the universe tells us what to do, but we must do it. The universe wasn't like, we're going to let everybody see that you're psychic and it'll feel very comfortable. And they'll approach you first and you'll have a psychic business. And then you could disagree to it. They were like, put yourself out there, get out of your comfort zone, own who you are take action. We've set it up. You've learned how to do it. Now do it. But yeah. people wait for like the universe to deliver it for you. And it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. <sighs> it that, does not come to you on a silver platter. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. And we've been having this conversation quite a lot <laughs> recently yeah. with people. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, oh, it must be so nice. Like you guys just have this business and it's just beautiful. Like you're so lucky. And I'm like, and you say it's been divinely guided. So that means it must just show up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, oh no. There's a lot of like sleepless nights and early mornings. And yeah. So, yeah, the, yeah, the universe is like, here's the path. What you right. choose to do with that path is up to you. And what yeah. you get back from that path depends on how hard you work. But also like, and that's so true. And, and people will say that to me, oh my God, it must be so easy because you're a psychic. No, actually it's almost harder now because I can hear exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, that's scary. You're crazy. No. And, <laughs> but, and I do, I do it all the time. I'm always like, mm-mm, mm-mm. so, but what we don't understand is that and and people will come to me and they'll say this. And I had a very hard time with this because we would, we'll make requests to the universe. And I was making requests. Like you wouldn't believe like freaking get me out of here bring me more money, like bring Mike back, like all these requests. I had a whole slew of them, but we might say something like, I need help me to be patient. And we expect that the universe is going to give us patience, right? This is how it works. <laughs> the universe will give you a, an unimaginable amount of situations that force you to have patience. So when you say, help me to make money, the universe can bring you a ridiculous amount of bills because that will make you want to make money. It will bring you crazy opportunities that you know, I don't like that, or I don't want that, or, you know, stretch you out of your comfort zone. It, they'll bring you situations where you have to clear your money blocks. The universe doesn't give you things. It gives you opportunities to learn, to better yourself, to grow and to say yes. Oh, hey, let's just take a second to take that in. It has been a very long journey, but I wouldn't have it any other way because there's nothing in this world that I, that I would ever even believe, remotely believe that I couldn't do or that I couldn't work through. And it's one of the things that Mike's death has shown me. Like whenever something 
challenging comes, something hard. The, the one thing I'm always like, I made it through my diet. Like I can get through this, this is nothing. So it really has allowed me to believe in myself, to find my own personal power, to trust in myself and show up for myself in a way that I've never shown up for myself before. I didn't do it before Mike died. I certainly didn't do it right after. It took all of those lessons and all the things that I had to work through in order to be the person I am today. And I wouldn't be this person if he didn't die. I wouldn't. And I do like this person. Um, like, do I wish he could come back? Yes. But I wouldn't be who I am today if he didn't die. So on a scale of one to 10, one being yeah. the very beginning of your journey, 10 being <laughs> right at the end, yeah. where would you say that you are today? I'm probably a six or a seven. I still heal every day. There's still things that come about. You brush your teeth twice a day, ideally. Like dentists would love it if you did it three times a day. But <laughs> we do it twice a day because we need to. So why don't we heal every day? If anybody looking at my life now, I have, I have an amazing life. I have an incredibly successful business. My children are amazing. I feel great. Like everything just happens, but I don't even feel like it has hit the full swing forward. Yeah. Um, because I still feel like there's always things that we can do. There's always things that we can continue to do. Yes. So probably a six or a seven, I guess. Perfect. Oh, amazing. All right. I'm pretty darn sure I know the answer to this question, but sitting where you are today and looking back on your journey, would you change anything about it if you could? No, I wouldn't. Um, like, yeah, do I, if someone was like, we could bring Mike back for you or, you know, you can continue your life forward. That would be a very, I don't even know what I would choose probably to bring him back for, for everybody. But in all honesty, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through every single thing that I've had to experience. And I believe that I just wouldn't be me. And I like me. So oh, I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom for anyone that's hearing your story and might be really resonating with it? don't give up, keep going. And I always believe that life happens, happens for us, not to us when you can. And I couldn't for a really long time. I couldn't for a really long time, but when you can start to switch into that fact that this there's, there's a silver lining to what happened. There's something amazing that will come out of what happened and don't rush it. But when you get to the point that you can start to see it, cling on to that. Mm, amazing thank you so much thank you thank you yeah it's a powerful one thank you I, and I really do appreciate um, coming on here and being able to share it really do thank you so much for listening we want to give a huge huge thank you to all of our listeners this podcast honestly would be nothing without you uh, a big shout out to our Patreons who support us by giving us small monthly donations that make our life easier. <laughs> if you're interested in getting your hands on a shout out from us or on some fun, exciting bonus content, you can head on over to Patreon. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Wellness on the Farm. And we'd love to connect with you there. A huge shout out to all of the people that have supported us in this adventure, our friends, families, an amazing community, and to Matt Reimer for his editing and photographic help, and all of the people that have answered our one million questions. 
Oh, hey, are you still here? Are you ready for a dad joke? Okay, so if you see a robbery at an Apple store, does that make you an eyewitness? <laughs> oh, God, that one was bad. <laughs>